You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Perception Management, and today is the second hour of the 22nd of August. You know, every time I hear that song, I don't know if you've ever ridden a horse up here in the mountains in Montana here, but it's just, you know, click clock, click clock. Anyway, so peaceful. Anyway, anyway, they're trying to ignite a race war, a civil war, and of course the American people have been... Uh, uh, there are a lot of us uh, haven't bought that agenda yet. And like Serbia, we as Americans have uh, lived a long time and almost all that time here in America lived at peace with our neighbors regardless of their race, color, religion, or their sexual preferences. Remember the saying, whatever floats your boat? The more they uh, cause us uh, to fight among ourselves, the freer they are to roam the planet while we're all distracted domestically. And so with that, of course, I, I believe that this is why they, they're trying to do this, is to go after the guns. Look at what they're doing to Australia. They won't do that here with Americans having guns. So now, with us, uh, Afghanistan, we see the same snake devouring its own tail. And those in those corporate and the media are just pissed at this loss. They, the other host here on the network, who... Also, I would call them team players. They're also kind of upset about this, the loss of Afghanistan. But I believe that the U.S., you know, they, they, I mean, they believe that the U.S. should stay there, just like they should stay in Iraq. You know, the two countries where the U.S. went to war and killed so many people and where the CIA ran torture centers, killed millions and dropped their latest weapons on and depleted uranium and stuff like that. Yeah, the U.S. should sit there and claim everything, right? And, of course, where drone pilots lost it when realizing they were bombing innocent children. Remember the article there where it says uh, six wor words that entered a, ended a U.S. drone pilot's career? This out of Der Spiegel. Uh, this is where the Air Force drone operators turned whistleblowers had had their credit cards and bank accounts frozen, according to the human rights attorney, Jesselyn uh, Raddick. My drone operators went public this week, and now their credit cards and bank ac accounts are frozen. Uh, you can see why Julian Assange is in prison. So, how did all this start? Well, let's, let's look at this, okay? Let's go back to, to the nether regions and play clip eight, please. This is Morning Edition from NPR News. I'm Bob Bettenborts. The Taliban leadership in Afghanistan today declared a holy war against the United States. It claims Washington is preparing for an invasion of Afghan territory. 
It also said Osama bin Laden, who lives in Afghanistan, has been wrongly implicated by the U.S. in last week's terrorist attacks. A Pakistani delegation met with senior Taliban officials yesterday and urged them to surrender the Saudi-born militant to avoid American military retaliation. NPR's Rob Gifford is in Islamabad, Pakistan. Afghanistan's Grand Islamic Council was supposed to meet today to consider the fate of bin Laden, but that meeting's been postponed, right? That's right. Uh, well, in fact, we're getting some contradictory reports out of uh, out of Kabul. As you know, there's very few journalists in there. There's very little information coming out. But it seems that this grand council of between uh, 800 and 1,000 religious leaders, a sort of advisory uh, religious body, if you like, have put off their meeting till tomorrow. It's not really uh, very clear why. But uh, when they do meet, they're certainly going to be giving their opinion to, um, to uh, uh, Mohammed Omar, the overall leader, and then they're going to make a decision, really, as to whether they're going to be able to hand over Osama bin Laden to the United States. And how likely is that? Well, personally, I don't think it's very likely at all. I mean, I think a lot of uh, pressure is being brought to bear on them, especially by the Pakistan dele delegation that's there. But just talking to uh, Pakistanis and especially Afghans here across the border in Pakistan, uh, you just get a sense of uh, uh, such a sense of, uh, of dishonor that that would be if they did hand over Osama bin Laden. There's a great sense of pride here. Uh, and while there is sympathy for the victims of the, of the bombings in, in America, I think uh, the hijackings in America, I should say. I think I think there's a feeling, really, that America is out to get Afghanistan and that America is the enemy. And really, there's no way, uh, whatever the pressures, that, that under those circumstances they're going to hand over bin Laden. How serious is this declaration of holy war? It would seem somebody did that before last week. That's right. The, the word jihad is, is being thrown around quite a lot here, uh, but I do think it's very serious indeed. Of course, this is not just a, a political issue. It's a, it's a religious one. Uh, and I think, uh, as I say, people, people here, they don't really believe that Osama bin Laden is the issue. Uh, I think they, they feel that this is a, a wider plot by the United States uh, basically to crush Islam uh, and that this, uh, this case, for all the sympathy they have for the victims, is being used as an excuse to fight against Islam. Uh, and so I, I think people here and across the border especially, the, the militants are very serious about the idea of holy war if America really does take military action. What sort of threat does the Afghan military pose? Well, in terms of firepower, they, they really pose no threat at all to the might of the American military. But uh, as, the, uh, as the empires down the ages have discovered, uh, you know, the Persians, the Mongols, the British, and most recently the Soviets, uh, that, that's not what it's really all about. There's a great determination to defend their country. And the guerrilla fighters, the Mujahideen, can just take to the hills and, and really make life very difficult, uh, in a way perhaps a, a little bit like the Viet Cong did in Vietnam. So I don't think firepower is what it's really really all about. NPR's Rob Gifford in Islamabad, Pakistan. Well, so what have you as an American got out of all these wars? Better yet, what have the corporations gotten? <laughs> Remember, they didn't want to offer up bin Laden without proof, proof of his guilt. And the U.S. didn't supply that. What did Bush say? Oh, we don't care. They're going in anyway. So this is not about that. It was a Caspian Sea oil line. Uh, the minerals there, a trillion dollars of the minerals, and again, no no uh, empire has survived there in Afghanistan. It's a graveyard of empires. So this leads me to the fall of Afghanistan with a little twist of history. 
Now, I have three, three clips here from Pepe Escobar, Max Blumenthal, and Ben Norton, and it's from the video Inside U.S.-Afghanistan Pullout and CIA Operations, which is kind of like my home turf here. But uh, I'd like you to pay attention to these here because you're going to see what's actually going on over in Afghanistan. As mentioned, the Afghans pose no military threat to the United States, just like a bunch of rice farmers in Vietnam. These wars are all about crushing independence and the freedom of others who in turn must submit to empire and its goals. So with that, Mr. Producer, can you please play clip number nine? And today we are talking about Afghanistan. The U.S. military has withdrawn and was defeated. After 20 years, the, the United States, the world's largest empire, was defeated in Afghanistan. We're joined today by one of the leading experts on Eurasian politics and who has spent a lot of time in Afghanistan. I'm talking about Pepe Escobar. He is a really unique geopolitical analyst and journalist. I always love reading his perspective. I don't know anyone else who has such a unique perspective and is also a great writer. It's always fun to read his, his literary style. And his latest article begins with a quote from lyrics of From the Doors. So he's, he's always a fun read. But Pepe is also a great guest to talk about Afghanistan because Pepe has actually spent a lot of time in Afghanistan and actually was arrested by the Taliban. There aren't a lot of journalists who can say that they were arrested twice. twice. Not once, but twice. So... I want to begin this discussion, Pepe, talking about an article that you just published, which is at Asia Times. That's uh, Pepe is a columnist. He, he writes for several different outlets, but he just published a really good article at the Asia Times, which is a good over overview of the U.S. defeat in Afghanistan. And it's called The Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan Back with a Bang. It's a good piece. It, it explains how the Taliban took over the capital, Kabul, and they did it in a few days after 20 years of U.S. military occupation. But what's interesting is that as he writes here, there, this is his analysis. And this is what we want to talk about today with Pepe. We're also going to talk about his, his reporting on the role of the CIA and the opium pipeline, opium rat line in Afghanistan. We're going to talk about the role of pipelines in, in geopolitics and minerals. But I think this is a key takeaway from his article, and this is what I'm going to let you start with here, Pepe. This okay. is what you write in your article. Now, the loss of Afghanistan should be interpreted as a repositioning. It fits the new geopolitical configuration where the Pentagon's top mission is not the war on terror anymore, but to simultaneously try to isolate Russia and harass China by all means on the expansion of the new Silk Roads. I'll leave it to you, Pepe, to comment on that argument. Okay, how many hours we got? The whole day? <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, look, guys, uh, it's very difficult to be concise when we are dealing with such a... This is what game-changing is all about. You know, this is... Uh, I, I've been talking this with some of my uh, uh, good analyst connections in the West, but also Russians as well. And many of us tend to think this as uh, even more important than 9-11. Not only because it's the Ouroboros effect, you, you know, <laughs> the snake biting its own tail. Everything that happened in the century, in fact, until now, of course, for, for all of us, 
the most important geopolitical happening of the 21st century, the start of the 21st century was, was 9-11. If Eric Hobsbawm was with us, he would probably agree, you know. And now the circle has closed and we are into a new paradigm again. And um, that sentence that you quoted at the beginning, it's just a glimpse of what's ahead. Because by now, all of you in the U.S. know that the number one and two strategic threats to the United States, or at least for the people who uh, assume they are conducting policy for the United States, are uh, Russia and China, which happens to be a strategic partnership. So uh, you can imagine Brzezinski rolling in his grave at 24-7 because he was always desperate about the emergence of a peer competitor in Eurasia, especially in the Eurasian heartland. This is a geopolitics 101, in fact. Uh, and that's what moved Brzezinski at the time, uh, even before the Soviets uh, entered Afghanistan, to invent a jihad, which is something that w we are leaving the after effects of this invention 40 years later. And now the whole thing turned upside down because it's not a jihadist movement that uh, emerged in Afghanistan again. Now the second reincarnation of the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan, which was announced, in fact, officially, including with a flag. We, we still don't know if this flag is uh, the definitive flag of the new Islamic Emirate which is a coat of arms mixed with the, the Taliban flag. So, uh, and now we have what? We have Vietnam too, which is something that's been widely discussed in the U.S., of course, uh, but with a twist. Not only is the second time that a peasant guerrilla army destroys, <laughs> literally destroys, and says goodbye to the hyperpower, but after being completely subdued, at least from the point of view of the Beltway, for nearly 20 years. And after the, the first uh, uh, rationale for the uh, bombing and invasion of Afghanistan in 2001, uh, and I, I followed all this process uh, over there, between Pakistan, the tribal areas, and then Afghanistan, and even before 9-11, I was in, in Afghanistan even before 9-11. So I spent basically the second part of 2001 between Pakistan, the tribal areas, and Afghanistan until uh, mid-December 2001. Uh, and now we have the return of the Islamic Emirate. But who is... Uh, and now there are varying degrees of uh, support, encouragement, advice... Uh, stage management like we saw in the first uh, Taliban press conference this week in Kabul, we have Russia and China acting together, diplomatically together, uh, in terms of the strategic partnership and within the larger context of uh, an organization that very few people in the U.S. know about in detail, the Shanghai Cooperation Organization which is, uh, uh, if, if you talk to people in the Belgium, they're going to say, ah, this is the Asian NATO, it's not important, it's a talk shop, etc. They, they don't know who they are dealing with. And the SCO, which, by the way, it's very interesting, the SCO was founded 
three uh, July uh, three months before 9/11. The SEO was founded in July 2001. Can you believe this? At the time, it was called Shanghai Five because it was it was a China, Russia, and three of the Central Asian stands. And then over the years, became the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. Basically, in the beginning, it was an organization uh, which was supposed to fight uh, <laughs> what the Chinese, uh, with their uh, fabulous numerology all the time, call uh, the three evils. Uh, terrorism, separatism, extremism. And then, over the years, they evolved. And now, it's a political, economic, diplomatic, and security mechanism... Not only with these five initial uh, members, but also with India and Pakistan. And something very important that's going to happen next month in their summit in Dushanbe in Tajikistan, which is directly related to what's going on in Afghanistan as well. Iran is going to become a full member of the SCO. So what do we have? We have all the major players in East Asia, uh, the intersection of uh, Central Asia and South Asia, where Afghanistan is. Afghanistan is a, is a member, of, uh, is a, sorry, is an observer of the SEO. And the four members are going to have Russia, China, India, Pakistan, and Iran sitting at the same table and discussing everything important in terms of uh, 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 political, economic, and security integration in Eurasia. They're bringing to, uh, Afghanistan into the fold, which means that sooner or later, Afghanistan is going to become a full member as well. So what does this tell us? Tell us, uh, once again, the big story of the 21st century, which, irrespective of what the U.S. was doing, which was basically war on terror for most of these past 20 years, the big story is the integration of Eurasia with Russia and China as, let's say, the primus inter pares, to remember our Latin. You know, they are, of course, everybody's more or less equal, but of course, Russia and China are more equal than the others. And everybody under the same roof, which is something that we're going to see next month, uh, discussing, among other extremely important geopolitical issues, how are we going to integrate Afghanistan into an all-Asian project of economic and political integration? How are we going to support their efforts to have a country that is relatively stable? And now that uh, uh, the strategic partnership was given on their lap, this absolutely gift <laughs> from Allah, maybe, of Afghanistan falling on their laps, Practically, it's no wonder that behind the scenes, they are more or less, uh, uh, I described it as stage managing, but it's more like it's stage managing in the sense of pointing to the Afghan Taliban where to position themselves in the global stage. So the other half, which is um, what we could call NATO stand, the United States and the Europeans in NATO, more or less have to respect this new paradigm and at least try to live with it, which is something that obviously we're not seeing and we're not going to see in a long time. Okay. What's important about that is Pepe Escobar knows his Asian geopolitics, much like listening to William Engel, who knows a lot about what happens in Europe. 
Engel's latest article is the Afghan debacle, and of course this involves the Great Reset. So we'll be right back after this commercial. It's hung there on the front porch Since this old house was built It's where the old men whittle Folks, we're living in a world the likes of which we've never perceived any clearer than we do now. The plan for global governance has been in the works for generations and would have likely been achieved by now, but for the fact that the globalists left open their Achilles heel. With all their tools, Federal Reserve System, fiat currency, no child left behind, and then Common Core education introduced to our schools to dumb us down, vaccines, pharmaceuticals to lobotomize us, GMO foods, insertion of compromised or bought and paid for politicians, judges, mainstream media propaganda, all pieced together like a puzzle designed to ultimately bring the world under submission. But with all their strategy, they forgot one thing, knowledge and knowledge is power. With knowledge, their bombardment is nullified. Folks, with that, as brilliant and knowledgeable as you've become, among the wisest audience of any radio audience in the world, and you are, I want you to take a moment to reflect and ask yourself, how much of that knowledge did I obtain from Republic Broadcasting Network? How high has my consciousness been raised since I've been a listener? How fast am I now able to discriminate truth from fake news by being a Republic Broadcasting listener? How clear am I now able to see the world since I've been listening to RBN? Ask yourselves those questions, folks. Then ask yourself, what is that knowledge worth to me? Like my morning coffee, how would I survive without it? A voice of truth and a sea of lies. Do we not all need to make sure it survives? Like public broadcasting, we are now finding we can only survive with listener support. Censorship, advertisers being attacked, truth itself being attacked. It's the only way through this. We at Republic Broadcasting humbly ask you to become a supporter. Look at your budget and make a determination of what Republic Broadcasting is worth to you and what you can afford on a monthly basis. Go to republicbroadcasting.org and pledge 20, 30, 40, 50, if possible, 100 a month or more if it's affordable. Click the Donate button and become a regular monthly donor. Assure both us and yourself that Republic Broadcasting Truth will continue to flow like that morning coffee. The network thanks you. Have you been looking for a trusted, long-term storable food company? We have a solution for you. Simply Clean Foods is dedicated to providing the best quality food you can buy next to fresh from a farmer's market. Our line of resealable fruits, vegetables, and meats are suitable for everyday use, and you won't have to worry about throwing away valuable groceries ever again. Our food is completely GMO-free, and our stringent quality controls, plus testing for heavy metals, makes us unique in the storable foods market. Simply Clean Foods' primary focus is to bring clean food to people all around the world and change the way we look at freeze-dried food in our daily cooking. When you purchase from simplycleanfoods.net, not only will you be receiving high-quality food, but you will also be supporting veterans in need across the country and those who are affected by natural disasters. Right now, Amazon Prime members will receive fast two-day shipping. Go to simplycleanfoods.net. That's simplycleanfoods.net. But do it today. hung there on the front porch since this old house was built it's where the old men whittle and the 
women piece their quill It's held for generations Through whatever life could bring That old swing That old porch swing Welcome back everyone so, uh, you're listening to Perception Management here, and we are now seeing with this troika of countries, Afghanistan, Russia, and China, who are now forming this multipolar unity under the Shanghai block of countries. Uh, and, of course, Russia and China will come out on top on this here. And this is why you see them dropping their stakes in the U.S. dollar. Uh, it's kind of like in sports, you know, that uh, when you get tired of playing, you just take your ball and go home because the United States does not want to play. Uh, they don't want a multipolar world where everyone's independent and stuff. They want this new world order, and that's why it's important to read William Engel's uh, latest uh, article there. But uh, so the U.S., through massive sanctions right now, is trying to cripple their economies, and this just piles on sanction after sanction. And these deals with Russia and China are done diplomatically, and they're not by waging illegal wars, uh, where only the corporate side of America is making money, as well as those who invest in those corporations. We, the people, get nothing except a country with massive debts and no infrastructure or jobs. Uh, with that, I hope I can get this in here. Clip number 10. Uh, there's a... Uh, uh, I wanted to just get your reaction, because you wrote a piece on August 13th about the Saigon moment. Right. US. I want to get your comment on uh, just go, looking back before we look forward to the geopolitical situation and talk about your uh, the, your piece that came out today about implications for Russia and China and how the sure. Taliban have embarked on a fairly sophisticated PR campaign to uh, become to 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 cultivate support from the so-called international community. They want to be the Taliban 2.0. Exactly. Um, yeah, but there's a there's a clip I want to play, a video uh and it's from a Hollywood film in the 80s. Um and I want to get your reaction to it and I guess like after we play it, uh I'll follow up with like a quick question. But this is a uh monologue from Colonel Sam Troutman who was the sidekick of John Rambo, his former commander. And, you know, Troutman would just appear briefly in Rambo 1 and 2 to kind of advocate for Rambo. Like, he's, he's out there and you're not supporting him and he's gone <laughs> crazy, but I can talk to him. But then in Rambo, <laughs> in Rambo 3, Colonel Troutman actually joins John Rambo on the battlefield and they are assisting in a uh, kind of train and equip program for the Afghan Mujahideen Back in, and Troutman's like the CIA, one of the CIA assets, uh, who's a hero in this film. And they're the freedom fighters. And the Soviet commanders are seen as these boneheaded fools who don't understand that you, you can get bogged down. Well, let's just play the clip. This is an, an exchange between <laughs> him and a Soviet commander. <laughs> All right, here we go. This is on. You know, there won't be a victory. Let me... Every day you, can, you can all hear that, right? machines lose ground yeah. to a bunch of poorly armed, poorly equipped freedom fighters. The fact is Brilliant. that you underestimated your competition. If you'd studied your history, you'd know that these people have never given up to anyone. They'd rather die than be slaves to an invading army. You can't defeat a people like that. We tried. We already had our Vietnam. 
Now you're gonna have you. You know there won't be a victory. That's the clip. So, Talk about being prescient, huh? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the the sheer irony. Like, why didn't the the Pentagon watch Rambo three? I mean, what? <laughs> they practically yes, produced it. I mean, they it might as well watch it. it. No, but uh, the international military complex. They also watch it. They say, "Who cares? We're profiting from it anyway." Great point. Great. That's, that's, exactly, that's the point. So, so that's that, exactly that, what happened. Is that what you think explains the hubris of the Pentagon, what, which was really driving the agenda? Why the military, what, military intelligence lied? Why the commanders lied about the situation on the ground to political leadership? To, it is that they're advancing their own bureaucratic interests? To a, to a great extent, Max, uh, it does. In, in terms of the internal dynamics of the industrial military complex and how do they operate globally. Uh, look... You know what? Uh, the GDP of Afghanistan, the, the latest number that we have, I think, is 2019. It was uh, around $20 billion a year. Not much. 19 point something. So, so if we calculate that the Pentagon spent $2 billion, which is more, in those uh, 20 years in Afghanistan, that makes $100 billion a year. That's five times the Afghan GDP spent by essentially the industrial military complex on Afghanistan and in Afghanistan and certain pockets of, of Afghanistan a year. What do they have to show for it? That's good. <laughs> we are you know, that's good, Sam. Thank you. You know, diplomacy is how you win neighbors. You know how Putin always talks about the U.S. partners, their trade partners, and he refers to them as friends not by waging these illegal wars based on lies and then bombing millions into subjection to an empire in decline. This same empire is the one who, with the Federal Reserve and central banks, is funding their new world order, a world government, that others want no part in. And so this is a win for many of us, as I mentioned before. With that, I have more after the break here, so we'll be right back. Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news. Real talk. Real people. Because you can handle the truth. Hey gang, Patrick Slattery here with an important message that is pertinent to anyone who shops for groceries, eats food, or just has an inquisitive mind like myself. What I'm about to introduce you to is a segment of our food culture that has been kept so low profile to the American public that virtually no one is aware of how dominant it is on our refrigerator and cupboard shelves. What I'm talking about is the kosher certification industry and the new app, Koshertify, that delivers a comprehensive education on all aspects regarding this little-known practice. After reviewing this app, I found that it is useful for practically anyone who purchases food, regardless of their religious faith or identity. Its database of products not kosher certified is a win-win convenience for all food-conscious people. So why not check out thekosherquestion.com or click on the link at nationalbugle.com and see how modifying your grocery shopping with the Koshertified app can make a huge difference for your future. Extendivite has proven time and again, it really works. Here's a testimonial from Amazon.com. I am only 40, but I have put my body through hell working in manufacturing for 20 years. I recently started to notice a buzzing feeling along with a stuttering sensation with my heart. I had a full cardio stress done, which I passed. I decided to try Extendivite after getting the jingle stuck in my head. 
Halfway through the bottle, I really did notice a difference. After getting home from work, I would just sit in a chair for a few hours feeling like crap, and this stuff reduced that feeling along with heart discomfort to almost nothing. Extendivite is only $69.95 for a two-month supply. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. That's H-E-A-R-T-D-R-O-P.com. Extend your life with Homeowners, are you in foreclosure, expecting to be served with a foreclosure lawsuit, or suspect your lender has coerced you into an illegal mortgage transaction? A huge number of mortgages made in the last 10 years have legal issues and are possibly defective. State laws and the U.S. Supreme Court have upheld that defective mortgage documents are grounds for foreclosure defense and for counterclaims in favor of the homeowner. If your mortgage has been sold or assigned since closing the loan, it may be defective and you may be paying the wrong party and the lender may not have standing or the right to foreclose or collect payments under the law. If you would like to know if your mortgage is legal or not or know if you are paying the right party, we can help. Our initial consultations are free of charge. We are not attorneys. We are legal researchers and work closely with experienced lawyers who know how to help you find the evidence to help you keep your home. Call toll-free 1-855-2-KEEP-IT. That's 1-855-2-KEEP-IT today. All my life I've been so lonesome If happiness came I missed the call Welcome back, everyone. Boy, I love a steel guitar, I'll tell you. A whining, crying steel guitar. You're listening to Perception Management. I haven't met anyone yet who wants this globalism or the Klaus Schwab's of the world dictating what we'll be doing or like Bill Gates telling us we'll be eating worms. Trying also with their so-called green deals and trying to imply that we are destroying the planet while those massive corporations are raping the planet. Like I said, just watch a few of those uh, dangerous road videos and you'll see who's raping the planet using slave labor to do it. Uh, they've made their billions off raping this planet. Now they want to sit there and dictate to us what uh, what we're to do. So with that, I have my uh, final clip here, and uh, it's about 10 minutes long. And this is going to kind of wrap up the resilience of the Afghan people, and it should also be the resilience in this troika of the people here of having vaccines pushed on us and stuff like that. So with that, clip 11. But, and the inside story, uh, Max and Ben, of uh, his departure is something absolutely extraordinary, in fact. Um, Hamid Karzai was already uh, involved in, when he saw which way the wind was blowing, which was basically the Taliban would arrive in Cabo by the weekend. So we're talking about between Friday and Saturday. Uh, he approached Ghani and said, look, there's no other way. We need to uh, organize a mechanism for a transition of power or an interim government, at least. And Ghani refused it. You know, 
there was not even the possibility of a, uh, which is uh, something that is totally anti-Afghan. Uh, if you've been to Afghanistan and if you, if you understand a little bit of how the Pashtuns work or even the Tajiks work, uh, everything is negotiable. It, it, it's like they have mini shooters every day to decide about everything you can imagine, which is exactly what Hamid Karzai and Abdullah Abdullah are doing now. These are the two people who are conducting what's going to be uh, the negotiations towards what's going to be the next Afghan government. It's going to be led by Mullah Baradar, of course. He's probably going to be the president. But there's going to be probably an inclusive cabinet, including probably women, and maybe even including Shiites. And Hamid Karzai and Abdullah Abdullah, I've met them in the past, you know, for all their flaws, they are very, very experienced, and they are very able negotiators, both of them. Abdullah Abdullah is a very sweet guy, wonderful to talk to. He listens to people, which is the absolute opposite of Ghani. Ghani was like this, uh, you know, <laughs> imperial figure, uh, father knows best, and he was despised even inside his administration. Uh, he couldn't get along with, with practically anybody. He was completely isolated already, uh, even uh, weeks before the fall of Kabul. So he refused uh, any possible negotiation, which was a way for him to uh, maybe have a decent exit. Because the number one red line imposed by the Taliban months ago, even in, in the, in the um, discussions in Doha of the uh, extended Troika, eh? Russia, China, the U.S., and Pakistan. Uh, there was a red line for the Taliban. He has to go. We, we agree. Anybody else, we agree. It can be Abdullah. It can be Hamid Karzai. It can be a, 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 another, even a, another Tajik, uh, of, as long as we are uh, the head of the government. But he has to go. So, in fact, he disappeared from the palace without telling anybody. So it was him his chief of staff and another advisor who fled to the airport <laughs> with, with the $160 million apparently in four cars. We don't know if they were in three cars or four cars, you know. But basically, with the $169 million, uh, stuffed everything in a helicopter, uh, put the rest on the plane, and left. So Hamid Karzai and Abdul Abdullah, they were in the palace in the morning, uh, in, on Sunday morning, I said, what do we do next? There's no president, there's no government, and there's no new government. And even the Taliban were, wow, so are we the government now, or, or who's the government? You know, so that absolutely spectacular, I would say the most powerful image, I, I would put it even before, even uh, above the Twin Towers, in, in terms of uh, historical resonance, the famous uh, First Supper, without the supper. It was like a, a Leonardo or a Caravaggio painting of the Taliban on the table in the presidential palace, mirroring a picture behind the wall, which is basically a picture of a cleric blessing a warrior surrounded by the other warriors. But this is so incredibly powerful for Islam, I, I can imagine that everyone in Islam that saw that picture, they had a jolt, you know, an electric jolt. It's, it's extremely powerful, the symbolism. 
And when you look at the faces of the Taliban on the table, uh, exactly, one of them is praying, uh, two or three are almost crying, they have an, an, an expression of, uh, they are beyond tired, but at the same time they know that this is the Holy Grail, they're not gloating, and it's an expression of humility. In fact, it's almost like they were about to, I, I think, uh, the way I see it, they were about to conduct uh, a short prayer, probably. So, so this, this is so incredibly powerful. And, and when you add to it the political component of the, they didn't even know if they were the new government or, or what, in fact. And then on the other, on another room in the palace, you had Abdul Abdullah and Hamid Karzai. What do we do next? So, in fact, this is when they, they had, I would say, the brilliant idea, okay, let's constitute a sort of interim committee. Us, <laughs> of course, they're already there. Let's call, let's call somebody else. And, and obviously, a very risky uh, undertaking. They called Gulbuddin Hekmatyar, former warlord turned bomber of Kabul, turned... America's wanted probably number one or number two for a while. I remember in 2002, I was in, in Kunar in Eastern Big time CIA asset before you Big time, uh, very good, Max. Big time CIA asset and Saudi Arabian asset as well. And then turned politician. He was the leader of the Hezbi Islamic Party. You know, he became a respectable politician, etc. So... But the, the problem is, Hekmatyar, uh, okay, the guy is a has-been. No, he still commands a lot of uh, uh, respect in, ma in many uh, tribal intersections in, uh, in uh, Afghanistan. So it's important to have a guy like this on your table. Otherwise, he's going to turn against you. That's a cl classic uh, Afghan politics, right? So, okay, so now we have this committee of these three wise guys, let's put it this way. And these are the people, especially Hamid Karzai and Abdul Abdullah, who are more or less shaping the new government. Uh, Mullah Baradar came from Qatar uh, to Kandahar. He arrived yesterday in Kandahar. He's probably going to go to Kabul uh, to the end of the week. The conversations are in Kabul. Today, for instance, uh, they were talking to the Pakistani ambassador in Afghanistan, which is a very important figure. They are having discussions with the Russian ambassador in Afghanistan, another extremely important figure. So they're trying to organize a consensus. So, so, so this is not a bunch of uh, guerrilla fanatics from the middle of Halban province who show up in Cabo and say, no, we are the new government. No, this is a very sophisticated negotiating process, you know, uh, in progress. And uh, uh, what, uh, uh, considering what we heard yesterday uh, at their first press conference, we expect this to be a completely different uh, paradigm, geopolitical situation, uh, a political situation with what happened during uh, between 1996 and 2001. I remember at the time, it was an absolute mess. You would arrive at the uh, uh, Ministry of Foreign Relations uh, house, which was practically a shack in Kandahar, and you saw that you were literally in a shack in, the, uh, in sub-Saharan Africa, not in the Ministry of Foreign Relations of a, of a major Eurasian uh, nation. You know, uh, the, the pressers after 
9-11 and before the American bombing, they were in the garden of the uh, uh, Afghan embassy in Islamabad. It was an absolute chaos. Uh, no translation, a, a mess. We, we didn't even know what they, were, what they were talking about, in fact. And now it's a completely different story. They have very good English-speaking spokesmen, several, not only one, not only Shaheen, who, who's in Doha, part of the political committee in Doha, several. Uh, the, the press conference was an extremely well-organized uh, uh, endeavor. Uh, so it's a completely different story. And the most important thing, they are getting uh, what, what we call, could call, again, the stage management clues from the Russians, especially, collaborating with the Chinese, of course, of, of look, this is how you, you need to present yourselves to the world. Uh, these are the red lines. You have to be inclusive. You have to conquer uh, world public opinion. So it's a very sophisticated soft power operation. We don't know how this is going to, uh, you know, uh, afterwards, but it has started in a very impressive way. You know what, like I said, the resilience of the Afghan people, uh, regardless of what political force is running that country right now, and again, besides that, it's none of our business, just as in Cuba, Venezuela, Iran, uh, or any other place, just imagine what this country could look like with all them Pentagon dollars, with over $740 billion annually, that if it went to securing America, our borders, and not sending our tax dollars to ensure the LBGT uh, movement over in Pakistan, countless millions of tax dollars that could feed the homeless, our lied-to veterans, and, of course, Biden's infrastructure bill that would not have to go into debt with nearly $5 trillion, I believe is the last count of what this is going to be. This morning from the Afghan, they were mocking the United States. I'm sure you remember the uh, Marines raising the flag at Iwo Jima. Well, the Taliban was poised with their flag, wearing U.S. uniforms, raising their flag in Afghanistan. Leslie Stahl did an interview with Pakistan's president, and if you listen to what he says, Pakistan may also be joining the Shanghai trade if the U.S. keeps up its bullying. Now, I don't have time to get into the rat line, the CIA, the drugs and stuff like that, but again, this is how big pharma has been taking over. <clears throat> also, you should know that in Venezuela, Maduro down there does not block the, uh, the coca leaves and stuff because that's how many people make their trade, and thank God for people like that because I live on some of that. But anyway, uh, legally, of course, but anyway. So, uh, in summary, we have this administration so worried about vaccines into everyone's arms that are killing thousands of people, and of course, again, asking what's in the vaccine, and we now have a repeat of Vietnam's disgrace, which has killed the morale of so many American soldiers uh, because their team lost. Forget the massive loss of millions of lives I spoke of earlier, so that all these corporations could reap in the benefits while others got folded flags of their son's lives. And lastly, that we all know the U.S. is trying to stave off a massive collapse financially from years of corporate banking and financial fraud. And I didn't mention here, but the, uh, the Taliban, with all that military tech that the U.S. just abandoned, they handed it to Russia. So you can bet with the U.S.'s latest technology and stuff that, that was put on the battlefield that uh, they will be passing that technology on to Russia, and it will further degrade the 
the edge, I guess you call it, that America might have. Of course, Israel selling missiles to China doesn't help either. But it's time to stop playing their games. I, I mean, frankly, look at it. Uh, we're at an empire that's in collapse. And frankly, like in a boxing match, I personally think someone is, is paying for all those worthless politicians to take a dive right now. I don't think it's China. Uh, there's too many things that point to this selected, most treasured ally of theirs, who's taking America down with its vaccines right now. It's not China handing out vaccines. It's America's favorite ally that are killing tens of thousands of Americans, disabling hundreds of thousands. Why are they keep pushing this? Well, remember I read you here about two weeks ago about the rabbi that talked about America was in the, in collapse and that Israel should assume the role as a world power taunting probably it's two to four hundred nukes like that but um, again uh, we are at odds that uh, not one politician can seem to go by our constitution not one can protect our rights and freedoms and not one can open their mouth without lying to us think of all the laws that they have passed like the NDAA with uh, Chance had mentioned earlier the Patriot Acts the NSA spying, the FBI trying to set up anyone who's against policy uh, that they have been doing to others and exempting themselves from war crimes and, of course, the crimes against humanity. Don't tell me Hitler was evil. So, basically, that's all I have for the show here. But the phone, I can get a phone call in here if you'd like. Uh, but uh, I wanted to make sure I got all that out there. I hope you get a clear understanding of what's going on over in Afghanistan what's going on with the reason of why the media and the uh, uh, the neocons are so pissed off about uh, Afghanistan and calling for Biden to be uh, in, uh, purged from the uh, government. It never should have been put in in the first place. But uh, we're in an empire in collapse, and it's from decades of illegal wars that have zapped the strength out of Americans, brought kids home in body bags, disabled hundreds of thousands and they don't seem to care just like with this vaccine stuff they, you know they're trying to push now for this fda approval uh which violates the eua on it because ivermectin and hydrochloroquine actually work and so uh, that's that eua is only valid uh in case there was no other alternatives but there is and that's why you see them sequestering all the information about ivermectin and hydrochloroquine so I have a break coming up here. I won't have to miss it here. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, uh, so uh, as I watch these movements around the world, whether it's in London, Australia, uh, France, uh, some in Germany, uh, some in Ireland, uh, we see that the, the, the New World Order, the Great Reset folks, are not going to let go of this, this uh, New World currency and stuff which is to enslave us all. And oddly, as, as they keep talking about China and stuff like that, they are mimicking exactly the same technology that China has that they want to use on us. Eventually, for those who survive the vaccines, it'll be biometric-type devices on us. Uh, I had put out a, a thing on the Google uh, patents there, which, again, Reuters claimed was false, and I had to correct Reuters again. But it talks about how your body will be directly linked to your cell phones and all that data will be uplinked to the cloud. And they will have a constant a uh, uh, 
a constant readout of you, your health, everything like that, and probably tell you like uh, the Brave New World or something like that, or Orwell's 1984, that you must report to such and such because you you weighed a pound too much or your body fat index was whatever like that, you know. But this is a, what they're trying to build for everyone else, and these other countries don't want it, and neither should you if you de- desire your freedoms and your liberties. Uh, I can't see why anyone would want that. And the horror of watching them take 20-some-odd thousand children and put them into a stadium and start vaccinating your children against their will, against your will as a parent. This isn't a democracy doing that. And again, that's Australia, a Western coalition member who constantly harps about China and all this stuff like that. Yes, China's a rising power. And again, like I say, they go out, they make deals, they go into countries without bombs, and they make deals just like they're doing over in Afghanistan. Russia does the same thing. And usually what you're seeing is them picking up slack to where the U.S. sanctions have caused countless millions to starve, uh, withholding of medical instruments and other things, that uh, people want a new way around the U.S. empire that they, that they can't get bullied. Uh, again, it's more like a mafia. So uh, I, I just don't know. I'm at a loss for words because I get tired of seeing young damaged goods, I'll just call it that way, when you see, uh, oh, like if I go into town there, you'll see a veteran standing on a corner uh, asking for a dollar for food. And, you know, he might have a VA uh, supplement, stuff like that there, but no home. And why is because a lot of these guys can't seem to live with people anymore, knowing, sadly, what they've done. And they get home and they find out it was all for a lie. But these corporations, like Pepe mentions there, think of the amount of money that went into these massive corporations over in Afghanistan, Iraq too, uh, in what they first started out or slated as nation-building Um the people in those countries didn't get any out of it because they had to secure IMF loans, which meant that they had to follow or you know the dictate of American policy to secure those loans. Even remember uh, down in the Philippines, uh, where he uh, I'm trying to think of his name there, but uh, he had talked about uh, buying arms from Russia came without strings. And those strings were that the only way that they could get loans to buy anything from the United States is they had to accept GMO soybeans and stuff like that. Well, people don't want GMO foods either, and yet they keep pushing this stuff on us. GMOs all through the food. They wonder why America is sick and then why there are so many people that are having problems with these vaccines, and it's due to these, uh, these other health issues that they've had, whether it's diabetes, heart conditions, uh, you would think you would uh, you would turn first to working on the health of your people, uh, like say Russia, making sure you don't have those GMO foods and stuff. Why would you genetically modify that, and then come out with a gene editing alleged vaccine that does the same thing to humans? And of course, this was done on dogs and cats and stuff too. You can go back like nine years, and they they allegedly had a COVID vaccine for our pets. We're all pincushions. Even Donald Trump here recently came out speaking about that third jab 
and saying that ah, it's it's all for profit like that. So I think he's starting to finally maybe distance himself from his his cabal friends, his cabala. Uh, maybe for pending crimes against humanity. Who knows? But if he stands up for that, he'll probably win a lot more votes if he does run for election. But I see a lot of Trump supporters that are getting a little bit peeved at uh, the way Donald Trump has been talking lately about these vaccines, going as far as, well, I didn't have that problem under my administration. It's only through Biden that people were you know, hesitant on the vaccines. But uh, why, why, again, are they pushing these vaccines so much? And, of course, health insurance agencies that won't cover you, um, and they're pushing this to get jobs. You have to, to maintain your job. If you're under a contract, that doesn't hold out because of the fact that it was not written into your contract. And if they fire you, you can actually collect your unemployment on it. But uh, it's time to resist. And then sadly, uh, in, as a team player in sports and stuff, it's sad to see your side lose. But if you realize what has gone on for decades... You'll understand more of why people burn our flag, chant death to America, and it's a stark reality of, of people are waking up all over the world. In fact, if you read the Crisis of Democracy put out by Brzezinski, he talked about the global awakening that would start, I think it was in 92 or something like that, but I think it was written in the 70s, But and that was before the Internet came out. But now that people are sharing the Internet, uh, those in power are doing everything they can to block everything that we read, uh, what we share. Uh, Biden talking about blocking texts on our cell phones. And, of course, we're using the very technology that they're sla enslaving us to. So it makes you wonder, why don't we just divest from it, boycott? Anyway, that's the end of the show here. Uh, Tom Lacavera is up next here with Truth Media Reloaded. If you can help support the network, please do so, or its host. And uh, we have a 50-50 split in America, so please try to reach who you can personally. I'm only here to change your mind through perception management. Have a good day. Then I fumbled through my closet for my clothes and found my cleanest dirty shirt. And I shaved my face and combed my hair and stumbled down the stairs to meet the day. I'd smoked my brain the night before on cigarettes and songs that I'd been picking. But I lit my first and watched a small kid cussing at a can that he was kicking. Then I crossed the empty street and caught the Sunday smell of someone frying chicken. And it took me back to something that I'd lost somehow, somewhere along the way. Are you sick of censorship? TLB Talk is the cure. TLB stands for truth, liberty, and balance. We are the newest and most unique social media platform to hit the internet. We were built out of necessity because Big Tech, Big Pharma, and Big Brother are out of control. The only thing bigger than them is when we the people are united. With that vision, TLB Talk was born. 
Our battlefield is in cyberspace. The battle we're in can be won by clicks of buttons and voting with your wallet. TLB Talk has no hidden agendas, no corporate funding, and we do not sell, trade, or give away any of your information. Our platform runs off of generous donations of members and merchandise profits. So please, check out our site. It's the best around. And be sure to stop by our store. It's loaded with items that'll have you feeling a sense of member pride and victory. Come unite with us today at TLBtalk.com and join the social media revolution.